Welcome to New England Baseball Journal's Base Path Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. We're out of the studio and at the ball field today, joining you from Stores, Connecticut, home of the Yukon Huskies, who are off to their best start since 1971. We'll talk to Coach Jim Penders about Yukon's 15-4 and start to the season. We have a lot of new guys. You know, we have a lot of first-year players and second-year players that are veterans. And I think that's really kind of been the difference in our start is that you have some guys that have been around the block that have experience. We'll also speak with first-round prospect Reggie Crawford about his recovery from Tommy John surgery. It's honestly not that bad of a process um, in comparison to what I thought it was going to be like. It's not really as slow because everything's broken up in phases. And we'll hear from top hitter Eric Stock on how UConn has been the right landing spot for him after transferring from Old Dominion. Just going through my two years at Old Dominion and then deciding to transfer and then coming here. Um, it's definitely been the best three years of my life here. We begin with Coach Penders, who joined us in the dugout at Elliott Ballpark. Jim Penders is the winningest coach in the UConn baseball team's 125-year history. He currently has the Huskies sitting at 15-4 and and ranked in the top 25 nationally. Jim, thanks for taking some time with us. Great to be here, Dan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I would imagine this is a pretty exciting time to be on uh, UConn's campus. You have... We're in the middle of the NCAA basketball tournament, and the women are obviously still going. And uh, you guys are off to a great start to the season at 15-4. and Uh, What's the mood been around here since you've been back on campus? Well, we haven't really been back on campus very much. We've we've been uh, traveling a lot and a little bit bleary-eyed, and uh, we've been road warriors early on, just like every New England team is uh, in the first you know five six weeks of the season. So, uh, but no, it's been it's been great to even watch our success from afar. I mean, we were in Malibu, California, uh, listening to our hockey team, you know, uh, get into the uh, the final four of their conference tournament and. Uh, so it's been exciting to kind of share the success of uh, of the winter sports teams now blending into our spring sports season, which is not just baseball, but, you know, softball, lacrosse are off to really good starts, too. And, you know, track is always sensational. So it's uh, it's a fun time to be on campus all the time, but even more so now. Yeah. And like you said, the travel is cu- kind of customary for New England teams in the beginning of the year where you have to go out to either California or Florida to play other teams. But I feel like you can find out a lot about your team when you're on the road and you're giving guys a chance to bond. And then also, you know, I think winning on the road is always hard. But in college with guys who aren't used to traveling to the West Coast and trying to put forth their best effort uh, when they're, you know, not sleeping as well as they might at home, that can be difficult. Um, what did you take away from your team's trip out West? Well, I, I, I'm really happy with the chemistry of the group. You know, it's very um, – we have a lot of new guys. You know, we have a lot of first-year players and second-year players that are veterans. And I think that's really kind of been the difference in our start is that you have some guys that have been around the block that have experience. They may not have it in our uniform, but it's it's almost like you're going to you're going to battle with men and not boys. Uh, you know, we, we've, we learned in the American uh, conference that you can't win with freshmen. And, you know, there's only been a couple freshmen that have really made a difference on our roster this this year and I think that's actually been uh, you know helpful I think that's why that's why you see the one loss record the way it is but uh, we've had a lot of transfers come in and just hit the ground running and uh, the the chemistry you know you're right when you get on the road you learn a lot about your club and they learn more importantly they will learn about each other you know they're they're eating together they're they're visiting together outside the field or outside the weight room and uh, you know I think that's I think that really helps form bonds 
You mentioned the transfers, and I was looking through your roster, and you have six or seven guys who are just major contributors who have been, and maybe not even just transfers before this season, but you know maybe transferred from community college uh, in previous seasons. And I feel like I've heard a lot of D1 coaches uh, kind of complain about the NCAA transfer portal, and it seems like you've kind of embraced it and really looked at it as a way to strengthen your roster. Yeah, I don't understand the complaints about it. I mean, I, I get it, you know, when, if, if I understand that if, if we struggled, you know, I probably would be complaining about it, you know, but we've benefited from it more than it's hurt us. And I hope that remains the case, knock on wood. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, we've gotten guys on their last chance, you know, or they've left situations that they weren't happy in and they, they want to make this work. They're extra motivated to make this work. So uh, you go around our diamond. I mean, Matt Donlin today is in the lineup, but, you know, behind the plate and he transferred from Stonehill College and he had a good experience there. He just wanted to do something different and uh, always wanted to be a Husky and finally got the opportunity when Pat Winkle was going to move on to pro ball. So he came, um, you know, Ben Huber at first base is, has been a godsend since Reggie Crawford's gone down you know, to come from Limestone College. He shouldn't be here. He should be at South Carolina or Clemson, but uh, we were aggressive in recruiting him, and, and he saw something he liked here, and we're really grateful that he's here in his graduate years. Um, you know, go go all the way around. I mean, Zach Bushling, a junior college uh, infielder from California, and David Smith, you know, from LaSalle. You know, they, they lose their program, and we're the beneficiaries of a really good switch-hitting speed demon. Uh, in, the, in the middle infield, you know, you can also put the outfield. Eric Stock in center field came to us from Old Dominion, a really good program. So there's there's guys, Casey Dana in right field, Seton Hall last year. Uh, he was playing against us. So, I mean, it's, it's all over the place. And um, what's been satisfying to me is that they've really adopted our culture, too. It's not like uh, that's one of the things that I was always concerned about in getting transfers is that, okay, well, how quickly are they going to um, – adopt you know our our beliefs our ethos our uh, way of doing things our vision and it really has been seamless we've been very lucky that way and I think you know part of that is due into or most of that is due to the fact that my assistant coach coach our pitching coach Josh McDonald and associate head coach Jeffrey Horrigan do a great job of identifying UConn type guys yeah and you mentioned the culture and um you know, obviously it's great when you've got transfers come in and then you see right away these guys can play, you know, in the Big East and play at this level or, you know, out in California against some really good teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other things that are starting to stand out that make me think, you know, this could be a really special team. One of them the other day, I saw a quote from you after the game where you mentioned you were just dead tired. It was like two days after mm-hmm. the jet lag and everything like that. But you said, you know, somehow these guys just showed up and, you know, they're throwing strikes and they're swinging early in counts and just, you know, made the most out of the day, had a pretty good win against Bryant. Uh, are those the type of things that you think great teams end up possessing that deter- determination and perseverance? In this game, you have to be tough. You have to be mentally tough. And when you're not feeling – they couldn't have been feeling great. You know, they couldn't have been feeling great the other day. Um, but they came out and you couldn't tell. You know, and I wasn't feeling great, and I was hoping that they couldn't tell. Um, but, you know, they, they, uh, they have, you know, early on I've been refre- impressed with the maturity. You know, I forgot about Austin Peterson on the mound today, too. He's transferred, you know, he went to Purdue and then was at uh, a junior college in Wabash Valley and then came to us. So, I mean, we got him all over the place. But, um, no, I think it's, you know, early on we've been, we've been clicking, and, and uh, there has to be a tough – if you're going to wear the UConn uniform – 
you have to be tough. And now we have some bells and whistles on, you know, our campus with Elliott Ballpark and the RZA Performance Center. And uh, it's a challenge to us to make sure that we're still attracting the guys that, uh, you know, aren't afraid to get hit by a pitch, you know, do the little things, the dirt ball reads, uh, get into the weight room extra. I just left a weight room pregame here, and there were five of our guys getting an extra work, you know, and they're three of them or two of them are in the starting lineup today, you know, and they know that they got to get it in today because we got three games in a row. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned uh, Reggie Crawford earlier after him going down. And when I was looking through your stats, it was almost hard to believe. Uh, team ERA is 256. Uh, you're, you've hit 24 homers as an offense, and you've only allowed five uh, you know, pitching. It's amazing you know, how well you guys have rebounded when you know, potentially Reggie could have been your best hitter and your best pitcher this year. Uh, what was the message to your guys once that happened in the fall? Because I think a lot of us on the outside saw that and said, oh, you know, they could have been so good this year, whereas you know, here you are at 15 and 4. Yeah, I, there really wasn't a message. It's just next man up, you know, and, and, and thank God, you know, Josh McDonald was particularly insistent that we get another first baseman because he wanted to use that, that shiny toy and Reggie Crawford on the mound more. And so we were super aggressive in, in securing Ben Huber and uh, had other possibilities. I mean, Chris Brown could possibly move over there, but Ben was a proven player, you know, and played really well in the Cape Cod League this summer, had a great summer out in the Midwest before the Cape Cod League. So we knew we were getting a guy that could be in the middle of our lineup and, you know, kind of um, plug and play. And so we thought he'd DH a little bit more than he has because Reggie's down. You know, he has to play first base pretty much full time. And uh, he ha- we haven't really missed a beat in terms of the production at that spot. I would have loved to have had Reggie in the lineup. I would have loved to have had Reggie on the mound. But you can't feel sorry for yourself in this game. you got to keep marching on. And we're excited to see Reggie and do what he's going to do in professional baseball and ultimately in the major leagues. But, you know, we got to stay focused on winning ball games here. Yeah, you mentioned the relationship with your assistant coaches and, you know, they know what you need, what you want, you know, what type of players you want and the toughness. I saw that uh, your assistant coaching staff, uh, they're the longest tendered assistants of any Division One program. How does that help the program? Well, they're, number one, I mean, they're the they're the best assistants in college baseball, you know, and I look at them as partners, not really as assistants. I mean, I, I don't know where I'd be without them. They've been a, a godsend to me. I've known them. You know, I've known Chris Pedeza since we were competing against each other in Legion baseball at 14 years of age. You know, um, I've known, and I've, frankly, I've known, you know, Josh McDonald since he was 15 or 16 and Jeff Oregon since he was 15 or 16. So we go back a long, long way. And, um, you know, it's incredibly satisfying to, to know that they've got your back and uh, they know me. You know, and I know them, but they know what my weaknesses are. You know, uh, they're not afraid to, you know, post game. I want to know, you know, what sucked today? How did I suck? And um, they're not afraid to tell me. Thank God. You know, um, uh, Josh especially so. <laughs> so, um, but no, it's it's been a it's been a uh, a great thing that we've been able to keep them. You know, and I give David Benedict and our athletic administration an awful lot of credit um, because they have made them a priority and they have been able to increase salaries and resources for us. And, you know, their families are here, but they've also been, you know, we've, we've taken care of, of those positions too and made them better. But they've made them better every day that they've been in them. So uh, it's something that we talk about with recruits. You know, if you're going to be recruiting 14-, 15-year-old kids, moms and dads should know what are the, what's the likelihood that, those, that that coaching staff is going to not just recruit your son but actually coach your son uh, out of 300 or so Division One baseball programs. We're the best at it because we've been here since 2011 altogether. Nobody else in America can say that at the Division One level. 
Yeah, another way that you're one of the best in the country is producing guys who get drafted and then also play in the big leagues. Um, if you look at the list, you know, you're up there with the best SEC programs of doing that. Um, and they and they seem to stick around the program, too, and, you know, give back to the program in a, b- a bunch of different ways. Uh, how are you able to keep them so dedicated to the program even after they're off to the big leagues? Well, they, it's it's part of something that we talk about, and thank you for the compliment. Um, I think it's more about the, the culture of the place and, and attracting really good players, you know, from good families that work hard. Um, and certainly my assistant coaches have done a great job developing them. But, um, you know, as far as them giving back, they hear on their first recruiting visit here that, about Pillar 4. And Pillar 4, is, you know, we have three – three before that graduation championships making better leaders but if we make you a better leader more accountable more responsible more caring more self-disciplined than you were when you got here then you owe something more than um you know the the you owe we we get you the the rings we'll get you the diploma all that stuff those are transactional type things if we do the transformational thing of making you a better leader than you owe the program not me you owe the program and you need to give back, and that's what sustains it. So, you know, the guys are going to get warm in the the, the uh, Matt Barnes bullpen today, you know, because he gave a very generous gift to do that. We're sitting in Elliott Ballpark right now. Doug Elliott was our captain, 1982, and MVP. Uh, his son Doug Doug Jr. played for me and, and was our MVP in 2011 on that team that had 10 guys draft in one class. So. Um, it's very satisfying to see those names on the, the buildings, on the dugouts, on the bullpens, um, you know, in our clubhouse. We got the Nick Ahmed Pro Nook. We have all those lockers uh, in there that were 5000 bucks a piece that guys put their names on. So uh, I don't know what the secret – there's no secret sauce. It's just we're very upfront, you know, from the get-go that it's expected. It's expected that you help make it better than you found it, and then after you're gone, you help sustain it and make it grow even more. And then I always say at the end of every season, when we do make it to Omaha and win it all, we'll be standing on those guys' shoulders, and that's the truth. Yeah, you mentioned Omaha, and I was actually reading um, an article about you earlier this week, and it was saying uh, that 2011 team with Barnes and Springer, um, you, one of your regrets is that you thought you went into that experience a little wide-eyed in the in the regional, and you know you thought it could have been a team that could have gone to Omaha. Like, how did that play out when you when you thought you were a little too wide-eyed? And what what do you think you'd do different? Yeah, I, this is a great question. Um, really, the, in many ways, the 2010 team was more talented. You know, we had Mike Olt and Pierre LePage and guys. That, you know, were certainly great, great players, and um, but. I was definitely too green that year. You know, we got to the the hosted in Norwich, and um, we just weren't ready. You know, the team wasn't – we were super talented, and if they had a more experienced skipper, I think we'd get to Omaha. Um, In 2011, I don't know if we could have done much different. We were going up against South Carolina, and they were were a very good ball club. They were defending national champs. But as far as what I could do differently, I I know that today I wouldn't even have to really think about it. You know, it wouldn't be – I wouldn't be wide-eyed. We've been there enough – we know that we can compete nationally, um, so they. I wouldn't give that off. You know, I wouldn't give off a wide-eyed uh, kind of bewilderment, um, and uh, that's just my self-evaluation looking back. And today, you know, at fifty, <laughs> it's a lot different than what, however the heck old I was at that point. Um, I feel like I've been around the block a little bit, so it, it wouldn't be a concern of mine today. But um, you know, back then it was just hey, everything was a first. 
and you know it's hard to skip rungs on the ladder to your destination and now we've we've experienced a lot of those rungs experience always helps uh this will be my last question for you i as, as i sit here in the dugout and we're talking and you just look around it's just a beautiful facility and um even you know you have so much you can see that your vision for the program has really come together what do you think do you have anything on the list of things that you want to accomplish for the program and in terms of your vision coming up tough question to ask me on a day on a game day <laughs> um you know, I'm more concerned about this freshman arm we're about to face in URI with the kid Andrade on the mound, who might be one of the best freshmen in, in all of New England, certainly uh, at the early part of the season. So I'm trying to figure out how we're going to beat him. And so the the uh, the horizon is not exactly in my focus right now. I'm trying to look five steps in front of me. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, as far as the vision goes, it's just it, we got to. It's it's Omaha. It's it's there's there's nothing else. You know, we, we we need to get to Omaha and win it, and I believe we can do that in New England. And and frankly, you know, you, you gave us a good compliment about developing players and getting more guys into professional baseball than a lot of programs in our neighborhood. Well, you know, if the New England kids stayed in New England, um, they'd be drafted at a higher rate. You know, there's 30 major league teams that are assigned to cover New England, and you know they're going to watch us play whoever we're playing. And so if the New England high school baseball player realized that, you know, if we're playing Northeastern on a Tuesday, you might have 20 guns in the stands. If you go to Wake Forest, you might have one. You go to Virginia Tech, you might have two. You, know, you go to UVA, you might have three because they're spread thinner down there. But if you're in New England, you are going to be the best scouted American, high school, or American college baseball player that there is because you've got 30 teams that are scouting an area um, that uh, it doesn't have a ton of talent like Southern California or Florida. So you're going to stand, you're going to stick out. And so I just hope the New England baseball player, you know, thinks more about staying home, especially when you can play in facilities such as these. Um, and there's other ones coming down the line too, you know, and there's really good coaches here. There's really good programs here, not just UConn, but there's others too. And I hope the New England high school player really kind of rethinks it. And we don't get these transfers. We get them as freshmen as opposed to getting them on the kickback. Um, let's get them right away as freshmen and develop them for three and four years as opposed to one or two years. Right on. Well, Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time on game day. Thanks so much, and keep it going. Thanks a lot, Dan. Pleasure. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England baseball? New England Baseball Journal and BaseballJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England baseball scene. Have every issue of New England Baseball Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office and don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to baseballjournal.com to receive baseball coverage on clubs college commits prep and high school division one two and three colleges showcases rankings and much more get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to baseballjournal.com just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today New England Baseball Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. 
Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Reggie Crawford is New England's top prospect heading into the 2022 MLB Draft. The two-way standout led the Big East last year in home runs and RBIs before clocking a 101-mile-an-hour fastball on the Cape. He is currently sidelined for the 2022 season after undergoing Tommy John surgery last fall. Thanks for sitting down with us, Reggie. Of course. I appreciate you guys taking the time and sitting down with me. I saw the uh, a video you posted the other day, and it was just great to see you you know, back thrown again. Um, how, how are you handling everything mentally uh, this spring? I mean, it's honestly not that bad of a process um, in comparison to what I thought it was going to be like. It's not really as slow because everything's broken up in phases. So, I mean, you're, you're hitting each check mark, which is, which is really nice. And, I mean, uh, throwing's a, a cherry on top. You know, I mean, it's been a lot of fun, and I forgot how much fun it actually was. <laughs> Yeah, it, look, it looked great. It was great to see it. Um, and obviously it helps that uh, the team's playing so well this spring. Uh, what has it been like to watch these guys? And Were you out in California with them, or how was it to watch from afar? Uh, I, was, I was in California. I didn't go with the team, but I got to see some games. I mean, it's unbelievable. They're doing really, really well. I mean, it's fun to watch everyone have some success. Um, I mean, it's like the best start since, what, 1971 that they've had. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's really cool being able to be here and, and watch that. Yeah, and then going back to last summer, um, obviously you were coming off a great season at UConn, then you went to the Cape, hit 101, and then played with the USA Collegiate National Team. And what was the plan kind of going into this season in terms of how you would split between uh, hitting and pitching? So for us, it was trying to um, figure out how we're going to balance being a starter as well as trying to play first base. The biggest thing for me, the thing that I think hurt me the most was um, the fact that I was not able to be able to lengthen my starts out um, because obviously in the summer and past seasons I was just throwing one maybe two innings at most so that was kind of going to be something where I try to figure out my own body and how far into games I could go using like what percentage and all that kind of stuff. Do you think you just ramped up too fast is, is that what happened? I mean, it's it's one of those things you can't really control. I mean, I take care of my body as probably as good as I possibly can. So obviously, with with velocity comes it can come other things like certain problems, certain injuries. I mean, what you're seeing in the draft this year with college guys, everybody's down because everybody throws so hard, you know. So I don't think it's one of those things that's really preventable um, because I do the things that are supposed to prevent it. But it's just like one of those things where if you control the controllables, you don't really feel so bad if a controllable happens. And with the way medicine is these days, so so many guys come back from this injury and they're, you know, just the same as they were before, if not, you know, even, you, you know, you could have upside to your career after this. Uh, as you look back on last summer, it seemed like, you know, I was reading stuff about how you were a possible number one overall pick. It seemed like it all just kind of took off there once you got back on the mound. Um, what was that like for you? It, what, did you feel pressure to, to perform once you saw some of that stuff? I, I mean, I didn't feel real pressure at all because, I mean, like I do what I have to do. So as long as I make sure that that's being done, then everything else takes care of itself, you know. So, I mean, it was, it was really cool to see all that stuff, and, and it was really fun to, to have success at those places. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's the same, same thing day in and day out. You know, take care of your body, take care of the controllables, and everything else will take care of itself. 
And as you look back on that injury, is it something where uh, there are warning signs like throughout the summer where you start to feel tight or you start to feel, you know, something wrong and then all of a sudden, you know, you have to go get the surgery or was it something that happened all at once? It was just a normal start. It just happened to be a certain pitch. It went and then that was it, honestly. I remember at the time I was reading about it right out, like a day after and I was like, man, so what happens now? You know, is it, are you going to play at UConn next spring or is it in the draft? And then the more you read, you're like, oh, he's still probably going to be a first round pick. Um, what was that process like for you to try to figure out what the next step was? Um, it's, it's tricky because like obviously at the draft, there's a lot of moving parts and you really don't have answers until it gets close. So I'm still um, unsure of what's going to happen. I'm taking care, I'm, I'm taking care of the things that I could, I, I could take care of. So I'm taking care of my rehab, my throwing, take care of my body. And then everything else will work itself out, and we'll hit certain certain bridges when they come. But as of right now, I'm focusing on getting better, focusing on throwing, focusing on being a good teammate, and just watching my team play. Yeah, you can feel your positive attitude, which is great. You know, with these guys on game day, you know, it feels like you're adding to their experience. Do you have a, a sense of whether you'll get back on the mound uh, after you're done with your rehab, or do, will you focus on just being a positional player? I think we're going to continue being a two-way. It's, it's something I really enjoy. And then ultimately it comes down to, to what happens in the future and what teams want and all that kind of stuff. But as of right now, yeah, I want to come back to where I was at beforehand. I want to be pitching. I want to be hitting. So that's where we're at with that. Yeah. I mean, when you could do it at such a high level, that's totally understandable. Well, Reggie, I really I wish you the best in your, in your rehab, and I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Eric Stock has been on a tear over the last year. This season, he's hitting 410 with 13 extra base hits in 18 games. Last year, he earned first-team All-Big East honors after hitting 404 from March 14th to the end of the season. Eric, thanks for sitting down with us. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Yeah, so you've been on a hitting over 400 now for the better part of a calendar year. Um, what does it feel like to be locked in for so long? Um, you know, it just feels great. Um, I, everything I want to do, you know, I want to do to help the team win. So uh, I think getting hits, getting on base, doing whatever helps us win um, really helps me out. Um, but mostly it's just, you know, the preparation that we do with Coach Horgan, Coach Penders, um, looking at the scouting reports, all that. So just feel good with that. Yeah, you always hear that baseball is a sport of failure and everybody has to get used to it sometime. But you've been going good for so long now. Do you even remember what it feels like to struggle? Um, yeah, every, every once in a while, you know, there will be a day where my swing just doesn't feel the way it does. But um, I, I try not to think about it too much because in this game, I, I always just try to have fun. That's when I, you know, do my best is when I'm not stressed about anything, when I'm just, you know, focusing on the task at hand. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely days where I, I can feel, you know, um, struggling a little bit and, uh, you know, I don't feel like myself. But I, I just try to work through that. And you guys are coming back or you're now back for a few days from California. If you're ranked in the top 25 nationally, what did you learn about the team in California um, throughout that trip? Uh, in California, I learned that you know we, we have a lot of fight in us. Um, being out on the road, uh, what is it, two or three time zones away, um, you know, playing however many games and however many days. But um, it, it, um, we really gelled together. I think uh, the chemistry was definitely there, um, especially like bus rides, plane rides. You know, we're always with each other. Um, we know exactly how we can play, and we've, we've seen so far um, when we play together as a unit how, how dangerous we can be. And Coach Penders talked about kind of the um, motivation you can take from some of the other sports teams who are doing so well here once you get back on campus and kind of feel that energy. What has that been like? 
Um, you know, men, men and women, uh, basketball in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, people recognize us at the airports now. They always ask us if we're the basketball team. Uh, but you know, that I think that's a little bit funny because uh, with them, you know, the UConn recognition's getting out there. Um, but uh, we we just try to go with the flow, just like them, and you know, just win every ball game if possible. And I know, so we were talking also about how many transfers are chipping in for this team, and I know you were a transfer from Old Dominion. What brought you to University of Connecticut, and why do you think so many transfers are having so much success here? Uh, you know, we joke about it because the Netflix uh, show, Last Chance U, we, we just call it Last Chance UConn. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was a really tough process in the transfer portal. Uh, I sent out probably 40, 50 emails, and literally five minutes after I sent mine to UConn, Coach McDonald got back to me right away. Uh, during their actual rain delay during the 2019 regional in Oklahoma State. Um, but, you know, um, I, I took one visit here. I love the campus, love the atmosphere. Um, I, I knew about the history of the program and how good the coaches actually were. So I think that really draws it in because um, I know, like, we're pretty much the premier Northeast baseball school. Um, so there's definitely a lot of UConn in this area and probably everywhere else for baseball. So, like, this is – definitely one of the best places to play yeah you've been in college at kind of a crazy time when you consider like first the transfer and then you know the covid situation and all that um would you do it any differently if you had to go back and you know start as a freshman no honestly um because what i did is what led me here so i definitely wouldn't change a thing um you know just going through my two years at old dominion and then deciding to transfer and then coming here um it's definitely been the best three years of my life here uh, even with COVID. So uh, I'm definitely thankful for everything that's happened, and um, I, I just hope to keep it going. I know this is a game day, so sorry if we're interrupting your routine. What is, what is your typical game day experience like? Uh, for me, if I'm, if I'm going well, I try to have you know the same meals every single day, uh, usually starting with breakfast, and then I always have my pregame playlist, same songs in the same order. Um, but really, it's, it's just mo- mostly um, like just visualization. Um, I, I try to think about the pitcher. Um, I try to visualize the field, and wherever pitch he throws it, I, I just try to you know hit it wherever. So, I saw the other day, uh, first game back, you guys were you know off jet lag, coming off a long flight, and you know trying to catch up on sleep and all that. And you started the game off with a home run, um, and I noticed you didn't do a bat flip on that, and that's a big thing. Are you anti bat flip, or you just didn't know it was gone? Uh, no, I, I'm definitely not anti-bath flip, but um, it, it felt like I got jammed a little bit, so I didn't think it was going to leave, and then everybody was, like, joking, saying, like, that ball went 50 feet over, and I was I was stunned, actually, because hey, that's probably one of the balls that I didn't hit as well um, from this past trip, but, you know, um, just the jog around the bases is the best, but I, I definitely think if I get into one, there will probably be a bat flip. That's when you know you're going good. You didn't even think you hit it well, and it's 50 feet over the fence. Well, we'll let you get back to your pregame routine, but I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks to UConn coach Jim Penders and players Reggie Crawford and Eric Stock for joining us on our first podcast on location. Our producer today is Steve Safran. Visit BaseballJournal.com for all the latest content on the New England baseball scene. Thanks again for listening. The New England Baseball Journal Base Path Podcast is a Siemens Media production.